So episode 132 of the Talking Morlocks podcast brought to you by Go Loud. It's me, CLB. It's me, Paddy Flower. And this week, we're on holidays. So, God only knows on what part of the planet we are, but what we're going to do this week is the best of the live shows, not including last week's live shows. So, these are the best clips from 2022's live shows, all five of them. So, here we are. I hope you're in the room. Welcome to Street. in hell. Everyone full it over. <laughs> a lot of heads in the front dropped down there when he said that. What's going on? Everyone panicking. He's hiding in his point. Go <laughs> oh, back again. What's happening? How are you? Is all good? Yeah. He's all ready for talking bollocks live round two. Yeah. I think there's a problem with that, Mike. I said he's ready for talking bollocks live round two. Yeah. Right, we'll kick this off. Wait, wait, wait hold on for a second. How do we look? How do we look? Just like them yokes. Shout out to Tiffany's, yeah? Tiffany's looking after us again. There's some stockings, them yokes, aren't they? <laughs> Fucking hell. Also, shout out to Manscaped for sponsoring the live show tonight. Remember, go low 20 at manscaped.com to have you looking your freshest. If you want to see how fresh it looks, I'll see us in the malls and at about half ten. <laughs> Actually, I won't. Carl, what's happening? Hell, the malls offered offer the sponsorship to me, yeah? <laughs> so did you hear that in the last live show? No, right, well, I'm going to fill you in, yeah? I told them to sponsor me. They reached out to me, they said, we'll offer you a one-night stay in a few months' time. The true story. I said he is winding me up. I went missing there for three days. <laughs> they took thousands off me over the years. He was offering me a one-night stay. Ask me, bollocks. <laughs> Keep it. So, I'll see you in the travel lodge in about half an hour. <laughs> Fuck the Baldwin. Fuck them. Well, here, yeah, honestly, shout out to Joanne McNally for letting us use that gaff for the night. Yeah. We came in here earlier for sound check. She was in the back down the washing. Sorry. <laughs> but can I get a big cheer to anyone here not from Dublin? Yeah. I'd like to hear that. What the fuck? <laughs> can I get a big cheer for anyone from Dublin 1? Yeah. Anyone from Dublin 7? It's Randy Wolf from Dublin 24. Yeah! Everyone, zip your pockets up, watch your phones, mind your wallets. We know what they like out there, yeah? It's only messing. Get them all, yeah. Oh, this is mad. We're up there carrying on scandalous, yeah? We have this thing called a rider, yeah? Not that kind of rider, the other one. But it's a, list of there, yeah, it's a list of demands, yeah. So the last one we asked for star bars and fucking hardy ball jellies, you know what I mean? We missed the beat there. So we said, right, we want cheese boards up to me neck and bray upstairs. 
We wanted M&M's, but only blue ones. And 20 blue as well, to sort the nerves. Right, Terry, as this is a podcast, what do we always do when we start the podcast? We jump in the singles, have you already? Right, so we have one or two up the sleeve. So if you listen to this week's episode, this week's singer was, would you rather go one week without brushing your teeth or having a shower? Right? It is a bit controversial, isn't it? So can I get a cheer for everyone that wouldn't want to brush their teeth for a week? Can I get a cheer for everyone that wouldn't have a shower? Right, I think we know that one. <laughs> could have said neither. That one's forcing us. Right, and we have a brand new one by this week's episode. Would you rather brush your teeth before or after your breakfast? Right, well, give us a cheer for before. Yeah. And give us a cheer for after. Yeah. Right, that's very yeah, one-sided as well, Terry. Absolutely, Grant. Right, I'm going to give us two old-school singers, yeah? Curbs or Pats? Right, right. Come here. We can't judge you, we can't judge you, so stand up for Curbs. Oh, no. You don't say curbs. Sit down there. It's Pats all day, yeah. That's one of my family members trying to say curbs. Get rid of her. Sorry about her, she doesn't get out much. Right, another one for you is, yeah, this... This is probably what? One of our oldest ones, well, just be slaughtered over this one, yeah? You just ask every single week. Who? Must They're be an echo ball. in here or something, is there? There's an echo in here, is there? So, do you piss in the shower? Yeah. Stand up! Yeah. You lying bastard, yeah. you! You dirty lying bastard! Mossy, you stand up, you piss in the shower! Look at this milker ball head! Me poor Nana and all sitting down. Nana, you don't need to impress these people. <laughs> Betty Woods as well. Look at all sitting down. She has a cuddle in her back pocket. <laughs> I left you one up there. So you're obviously from Fox Rock, guys. Gang of lawyers. Wapplers, the lot of Right. Where are we going from here? We haven't a clear what we're doing. This is mad, isn't it? <laughs> Honest to God, we are robbing a living. <laughs> right, we sit oh. down and get the show on the road then. Will we, yeah? Right, let's, right, let's rock. rock. Again, I need a pair of fucking Ray-Bans at the a housekeeping, actually. Oh, I forgot, yeah. Yeah, fucking forgot there was more at the last one. Yeah, so while we're on stage, yeah, the bar will be closed. And if you have on the show, don't know what you sort of been for. You it's for the better. Relapse 2.0 will be full of it. <laughs> and if you have on to say, we're going to do a Q&A. So in the intermission, we're going to leave a book around the stage, write our questions in there, and we'll go through them at the end. We'll appreciate it if you don't shout up, because I know the last crowd was a bit rowdy and it was getting out of hand. This is worse. <laughs> yeah, it's getting a mad cunt. So it's a bit dis it's not just disrespectful to us, it's gonna be disrespectful to the guests and disrespectful to the people sitting beside you. So keep the shout to a minimum if you can, yeah? 
Now, if I have a good time now, but don't be carrying on marvellous. Or someone will get a box. <laughs> right? Vanessa, how are you? Well, look. You look great. You look great. Why did you bring your man? The teen one is always flirting, she is, yeah? She'd want to relax before I go over and do a nicks her on her. He said I wouldn't do it. Just tell that stuff learn, yeah? Right, quick one for you as well. Sorry about ticket prices going up. That's inflation, the whole lot. Now, we're at the sell now, Vicar Street and all, but there's nothing really we can do about it. But it's like that, have you said, has anyone tried to buy a chicken filler around the last few weeks? Scandalous. Years ago, we used to ring the credit union to get a few weeks in the Bahamas. And now we're bringing it to get a blade and chicken fill around the coffee. <laughs> Scandalous. But that's just how it is. Yeah, but you could do something about it. Just do I what do I do, yeah? So, you know when you go out to get your messages into them big supermarkets with the self-scanning things? You don't have to scan everything you have. <laughs> do you know what I mean? No, legit, like, I went in a few weeks ago, the missus sent me down to grab things, so I'm getting, like, bread and water and stuff, and I was like, do you know what, while I'm here, I'm gonna get moisturizer for myself. And I went up and I looked at the moisturizer, I was about to size my thumb, it was nine something. And I went, what? <laughs> nine something? Someone's getting robbed here today and it's not gonna be fucking me. <laughs> so obviously I'm back from Tesco now. Ah, oh, stop. Right, just wanna meet the first guest for tonight. Right, raise the roof. John Connors. <laughs> Jesus, this is fucking packed. <laughs> Up the inner city, you buy. Fair play. What's the story, John? How's things? What's the story, lads? It's good to see you. Yeah. Fucking hell, do you know what? This is uh, this is amazing to see, lads. Because I met both of you previously, and both of you impressed me. You're great fellas, and you're doing a great job. But you're inspiring a whole generation of working class people, and it's beautiful to see. Honestly, I'm very proud of you both. Great, great to be here. It's an honour to be here. And Mark, I'm sorry for that slap. I got a little out of hand. Like he I actually slapped me. Four points was... on me and gargled. <laughs> I've been on the carnivore diet and I just drank four points. I went to my head. I thought I was stone cold. <laughs> I'm stone drunk. And maybe a little high. I don't know. No, I'm only messing. I'm not. Don't take a drug test. No. So we told us earlier, yeah? yeah. Ghosts are fucking real. Yeah. Aren't they, John? Listen to me. Let me oh, tell you about God. these two lads, yeah? We land at the Hellfire Club, right? I did three laps up and back with fucking generators just to do the fucking shoot, so I'm bollocks when I get up there. Now, I'm afraid of my life of ghosts, but at this point, I don't give a shit if I see a ghost. I'm sweating to death, taking a heart attack, right? <laughs> so the lads lands up, and fair play to them. I think they, I think they lift a few curries for us, a few three and ones or something you lifted up. And they were like, we're like, oh, yeah, we lifted them. What do you want, a fucking blue Peter badge? <laughs> So anyway, I explained to the lads, here's the situation. We have all this technology to detect ghosts. They're like, yeah, yeah. Listen, John, just to let you know, we don't believe in it in this shit. I said, okay. Uh, oh, and yeah. rightly Grant, so. Exactly what we said. I said, Grant, yeah, we don't believe in it. Grant, no bother. Should we explain the different technology that we have that goes off and detects different things? And from a scientific lens, detects kinetic energy. And you see it come up, right? So anyway, these little things called a like cat ball. So if someone touches it, someone touches it or an energy touches it, it goes off, the colors come out. Well, not only did this go off, it went six meters across the room to hit me. It's a the lads, oh, 
John! We want to get out of here now! No, no, no hold on. Oh, lads, listen. I have it on their side of the story. I have it on camera. No, 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 you're, you're not one. wrong. I'll give them her a bottle. I'll give them her a bottle. Go on. Right. So what happened was, we rocked up, right, we agreed to do this, and I was like, fucking right, I'm going to do this. We're going to make John look like a thick ghost and not real. So I think I was a bit more sceptical than Terence. So we walk in and I explain, and this, this camera detects that, and this detects that, and I was like, yeah, whatever, none of this shit is going to work anyways. So they have these little balls, and the second you touch it, it goes off. So they're down on the ground, nothing's happening. So uh, they have a medium with them, and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, of course you We're not a large. Basically, yeah. <laughs> So uh, I was like, of course you have a medium, of course she's talking to ghosts. And as she's talking to us, these lights are lighting up. And I was like, what's going on there? Yeah. And your one's like, oh, they're lighting up, there's a ghost there. So Terrence starts going, oh. And I'm like, oh, of course they're going off the second we get here. But then I copped on, no one's actually recording this. So I was like, why are they going off? So then they all come in with the camera crew and they're like, what's that happening? This is the most activity we've had. And I was like, what are you all on about? Like, pull the other leg, you know what I mean? Of course she's not going to say this. So. They're like, this is going off, and that's going off, and I can detect the ghost in that realm. And I was like, hey, listen, if there's a ghost in this realm, move that fucking ball. And I put it down on the ground, and I walked away, and the thing lit up and rolled straight across the floor. <laughs> I swear to God, and straight away, see, when we went in, they were showing us all the technology yeah. and all, and they showed us a Ouija board. I goes, get that Ouija board out, we're doing it now, I said. <laughs> off the bat, I goes, I want to do then that Then he said, now. I'm never playing that Ouija board. The second that ball went across the floor, I was like, what the hell did get Now, don't get me wrong. I was don't get me there. wrong. I wasn't acting brave. Because the ball came at you me. You were screaming like <laughs> a little girl. I jumped on top of Terence's shoulders. He fucking did. He's out back with to God. And then the medium is there saying, oh, relax, lads. Don't tell me to relax. You're talking to ghosts. There's camp balls flying across the floor. John Connors is on me back like a skill bag. And you're telling me to relax. Oh, God. Listen. You know what? On a one-way flood, get the I just want to say this. That is only literally the beginning when we walked yeah, in. That was when I we got the I, I don't want to go into too much more, but it went way darker. Like, you have no yeah. idea. Yeah. That's just when it got where it was funny, scary. And then it got dark. Yeah. Um, yeah. When we were up with you, down the sleep with the entity, you were talking to us about how you used to do boxing. Yeah. And how you felt like the constant headaches and the concussion. Yeah. Is that why you stopped boxing? It isn't exactly, but yeah, just to go back to that, I, I realised that I had, like, headaches for two years solid, but I didn't know until I got an injury. I stopped boxing for three months, and all of a sudden, my head felt great, and I realised that I had a fucking headache for about two years and just getting concussions. Because I came up in the last generation of old-school boxers who did 15, 20 rounds of needless sparring without head guards and 12-ounce gloves or 10-ounce gloves. So that was definitely a wake-up call because they always appreciated my brain. But then really what got me out of boxing was I just got into a rut at a certain age, 18, 19, 20, got into a depression, trauma, comes back to collect if you don't solve it, and all that stuff. And then I found myself in like the pits of hell when my brother Joe reached out to me and he said, John, you need to find a purpose, a new meaning, because boxing is not it anymore and you've lost your dedication. And he was afraid I was going to kill myself, and I genuinely was. So he reached out to me and he said, look, I'm not going to leave this room. I was in the box room and darned it. He said, I'm not going to leave it, John, until you say you're going to do something else. And I said, OK. And he said, look, are you going to kill yourself? And I said, no, but he gave me an indication and said, kind of, yeah, gesturally. And he said, John, we can't afford to fucking bury you, man. <laughs> like, he was genuinely worried about the shame. Like, he deal with the debt. But the shame of not being, especially travellers, were real proud, like, we need to afford heavy, you know what I mean? So I said, okay, I won't put that burden on you, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, we Googled after classes Dublin, and I 
I, I was talking to the woman on the other end, uh, Kathleen Warner Yates, and she said, well, there's an adult for fun class for actors who never acted. And I said, I need something else, because I'm like, I'm depressed, and you're talking about adult for fun. And it sounded like shitty. And I knew I needed to express something. I knew I needed a life jacket. So I said, what else you got? She said, an intensive acting course. And I said, I'll sign up to that. So I basically spent the rest of my dole, borrowed money on my uncle and my brother, and the last five euro when the bus was 2.50 in and out of town, of my mother. She was just happy I was leaving my box room. <laughs> And I went in and I just, I, I got into this class and I, I nearly killed another actor in the class by taking things too seriously. And, and, uh, and then I had to run out of the class and I got chased down the street by the teacher who said, John, please stop. And I said, you're not going to ring the guards, are you? She said, no, you're fucking crazy. I said, I know. She said, but I like it. I like, oh, you do? Yeah, can you come back? But please don't touch my students ever again. And I said, okay. And then I went back and it was just like a life jacket. And I just got obsessed. I literally Googled how to become a better actor that night. And it was like, learn your lines. And they gave me like a 10 minute scene where you have 12 weeks to learn by the end of the course. And I learned it by six o'clock the next morning. I didn't sleep because I was obsessed. Just a curiosity point of view here. Is there anyone in the crowd that wouldn't consider themselves working class? I'm Don't actually sure you know, like that. I'm actually think I think everyone's afraid to admit that. Is there anyone in the audience that's not working class? No, no one's middle class, upper class now, no. I'm broke. <laughs> but that would prove the whole point then, wouldn't it? Well yeah. I thought we were breaking down this barrier and this podcast would have crossed that whole reason of classism. Because classism can work both ways, Sean. You oh, can look yeah. down on people from being working class, but you can look up at people for being snobbery. It's called, it's called introverted snobbery. Yeah. And unfortunately, I have it. <laughs> like, I know, I, I do, I know I do. And I kind of go, I don't care, but, I, but I, I know what's wrong as well. So I have to get over that chip on my shoulder. And a lot of working class people and travelers do have that with upper class people. Who the fuck do they think they are? You know, or we see, we see a rugby top and we go, cunts. Yeah, but lads, lads. You know what I mean? I think, lads, that's why everyone loves you, because your guys are from the inner city. Yeah. And the fact is that, like the rest of us, and you're, you're keeping it real. You're teaching, which you aren't. <laughs> no, we lads. agree. We do represent lads, the areas lads. we come you from. You're like a Cinderella story for men. You're doing fantastic and keep no. doing what you're doing. I know you get what you're saying, Mark, but what I want is us to be able to mix in any circle. Without a doubt. Not say, oh, look at them. They're from Fox Rock. Let's stay away. Let's yeah. say, let's go over to them. To not be in an echo break chamber. break down these barriers. Yeah, to not be in an echo chamber. Exactly. Or in our own vacuum. Yeah. Because we can do anything and mix with anybody. But there's no point saying they point fingers at us when you're pointing the finger saying that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, lads, see, everyone yeah, expected, everyone expected you guys to fail, and they would have been standing there waiting for you guys to fail. And the fact that you guys have prevailed, and not only just prevailed... I tell prevailed, you, you're definitely not failing. Look at this no. shit. Yeah, exactly. This Look is, at that. This is fucking mad. Look at that. Boys, that says... You, there was a niche. There was a niche in the market for guys that speaking the truth and being out there like everybody. Yeah. You guys have filled that niche, and these are all your supporters. So I tell you, gang of legends. I tell you, for fellas talking bollocks, they're talking some sense. <laughs> right, I need just to raise the roof. Get on your feet. Put your hands together for Mrs. Enya Martin. Oh, I feel like I'm on the lele. Some spade. I'm too short for this couch. She's a little rocker, isn't she? 
I know. I didn't know where I was sitting. I wasn't given a tour of the stage when I came in. You just dragged her in by the head. Get in there, you. Tell you her the jokes. You must have to get the steps in on your Fitbit there, did you? you I know. I had an Apple Watch and all on me, I do. You're dead right. 90 pounds on FIFA she has. I am. <laughs> ah, they look lovely, don't they? Yeah. yeah. You look like you're about to come and take on me furniture away. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing a comedian on was a bad idea, wasn't it? <laughs> we should have expected that, shouldn't we? Enya, how's things? How are you since the last podcast? I'm grand, I'm grand. Haven't been arrested. <laughs> Not yet, anyways. No, no, I haven't. No, actually, I got a great response. Got about 100 followers after that podcast I did. Revolution, when you have the I chance. I think that was yeah. a joke. Was it only 100? I was going to, they were saying to me, coming out after, I says, I don't know. They're like, what do you mean? You, you'll get in. I was like, look, 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 look at what I'm wearing. I won't get in. They're like, you're with us. I says, no, you are with me. <laughs> Blue tick. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> She's dead, right? Yeah. She is a blue tick. We're just two ticks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, come here, he's not going on holiday around. He's not taking a break from doing the podcast now. Oh, a flat out. No. Flat I'm out. double jobbing and all, saying nothing. I won't leave the north side. Did you say. <laughs> Only you... for a live show. I heard it was a few quid. I said, I'll do it. Fuck it. <laughs> now, uh, I'm going away myself now to Ibiza in August. Hey, Should yeah. Ibiza, yeah. I'm going with, you can come with you as once. I'm going with uh, Ryanair, got a great deal, 10 euro each way. I have to fly the plane, though. <laughs> I was only listening to a radio out there uh, before I came in about Ryanair, right? And I was like, Ryanair, make it a holiday to remember. I'm like, how could I forget that fucking turbulence? <laughs> I swear to God, I was flying to Benidorm one year, right? And they come over and they're like, can you just put your seatbelt back on, please? We're experiencing some mild turbulence. I was like, mild? Mrs. Does kids stuck to the fucking ceiling? <laughs> And that one in front of me, I don't know where she was from, she was like, ah, leave them up there while they're quiet. Oh, see. Enya. Kids have me heart broke. <laughs> How was lockdown as a comedian? Like, um, obviously, like, I had my videos and all to go back to, do you know what I mean? Couldn't do live shows, but uh, I went to a, a COVID lockdown party I did, um, or a COVID reveal party, that's what they're calling them now. My friend was getting symptoms, and uh, <laughs> we all went around to the back garden, the balloon went pop, she was positive, we all had to isolate for 10 days, it was fucking shy. <laughs> But um, I, moved, I moved in with the fella I did over lockdown. Um, that was interesting. We live in a granny flat. I was mad back now. It's tiny. Like, one of us has a shit. You have to leave the window open for a week. Like. <laughs> but um, now I moved in with me fella. Now, girls, you might be able to relate to this, right? Especially, like, men who are always babied by their mothers, you know? Like, you're doing something in the gaff, and he's like, what way are you doing? And my ma does it this way. My ma does it that way. My ma does it this way. What way are you hanging that washing out? My yeah, ma does it this me. way. Relax, my up there giving me daggers. I can feel what? it already. Are we, what, what did you say? My board is up there giving me daggers. Because <laughs> I moved in with my board no, as well. No, 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 she's going to be able to relate to this, right? And obviously we have an auntie because we're posh. And the toilet is in the bathroom. Now, I find this, right, when you're moving with your fella, it's very unsexy to get dressed in front of them, right, compared to getting undressed. So I bring my clothes into the bathroom with me after a shower and I get dressed in there and I come out. And uh, he says, why did you walk out in your clothes? Like, you're in the bedroom, will you not just walk out in the nip? I says, why does your ma do that as well? <laughs> Thank you.
See that moving in as a couple, yeah. It's sold here as this dream. Like, move in, it'd be fucking great. You have your own space. You can do this, you can do that. Mother of God. No, I swear to God. And you know what? Like, it's great, obviously, with the comedy and stuff, because I've been going abroad, and he came with me on the last trip. We went to Dubai, and we're like, look, we won't pay you for the gig, but you'll come over to an Irish venue. We'll fly you over. We'll put you up in the hotel for a week, and your fella can come with you. He was like, happy days, fucking Dubai. Lovely, right? Never been there before, either have I. And uh, now, the psychopath that I am, I held it against him for about six months before we went, you know? I was like, do you want to go to Dubai, do you? <laughs> do you want to go? Well, get in there and clean them fucking floors. And you're mad, I was straight. Now it is, though. It's, and, and you know what? Now I know you don't drink, lads, right? But anytime he goes out and he comes home and he's pissed, right? Men start getting very touchy feely in the bed, don't they, when they come home pissed drunk? And I'm in the bed and I'm not in the air for it and I'm just like, look, you can stick it in, but I'm not fucking moving. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And he's like, ah, oh, come on, it's only gonna take five minutes. I'm like, we're doing it twice, are we? <laughs> and don't shake me either, I'm reading me book. Like a skill bag on your back. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. Well, come here, we actually went to a comedy gig uh, a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, Terence? Yeah. In the International Bar. Fortunately. Right? Yeah. And you ever went to the International Bar for a comedy gig? Yeah, I'm sorry to hear it. It's fucking tort. We walked out and we were like, where's the, uh, the comedy cellar? And your man goes, oh, it's upstairs. That's part of the joke. I was like, it's not very funny. And he goes, well, it's been funny 30 years. I was like, all right, mate. So I goes, uh, he goes, who are you? I goes, oh, we're actually performing up there. And he goes, eh, no, you're not. And I was like, I oh, know, that was a joke, pal. Sorry to tell you. <laughs> but turning goes from, we're actually performing in Vicar Street in a couple of weeks. And he goes, I is, yeah. And what did you say to him then? Can't remember, what did I say? <laughs> Listen, you remember your man goes, oh, oh, here are you? And uh, the comedian that was performing then goes, oh, they're the talking bollocks boys, Eddie, yeah. And Terence goes, yeah, who are you? <laughs> no, because they were all hanging out on the stairs, remember? So that's the thing in the international bar, apparently all the comedians sit on the stairs when they're waiting to come on. And Terence goes, what are you all sitting on the stairs for? <laughs> I was baffled. Did you ever perform there? No, that's one place I haven't performed hey, now. fuck what? I kind of like bypass all, all the small gigs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You don't remind me last night, lads. I lent the as I did. <laughs> <laughs> and How many times were you here on you? Um, I was here performing by myself probably five times, five or six times. What's your favourite place to perform? This place, this is the best place to yeah. perform is... Especially when you bring a crowd like that, these are mad, aren't they? Ah, uh, loopers. But I tell you what, like during lockdown, I like, couldn't perform or anything like that. So this was the first venue that I performed in when I came back, like, and it actually just blows the roof off the place. That, yeah. that unreal. It's the best venue for comedy it is. But when I was, you asked me how my lockdown was, and I was just remembering days where I taught me going back to gigs and all. I remember we couldn't do any of that. Couldn't do anything. The restrictions were fucking shocking. Like, I remember, I remember we couldn't go outside 5K. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. Like, my brother broke his hand, right? And we were all kidding each other in the gaff who got to bring him to A&E. <laughs> I swear to God, God love him because he broke his good hand and he couldn't see his girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have to knock on his door anymore. I'm coming in, is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I swear to God, I didn't realize how many alcoholics lived around me until this pandemic hit. <laughs> 
everybody was just playing fucking street bingo. Do you remember that? Yeah. I swear to God, Betty half caught in a garden at half eleven at night. <laughs> I'm only waiting on number three. I'm like, that's all well and good, Betty, but the bingo was last week. <laughs> oh, see. Enya, <laughs> what was the worst gig you ever performed there? Ah. Uh, this <laughs> one of the worst gigs. Um, oh, I was actually I was down in I was down in Cork. I was down in Cork. I was, and it was in like this barn, right? I swear to God, and there was cows in the corner of it, right? <laughs> it was I think it was that Independence Festival or something, right? And uh, he was like, yeah, so you're in that barn over there, and I was like, are you taking the piss? He goes, no. Went over, right? There was no seats. People were sitting on fucking concrete. It was the only show I ever cried after. I swear to God, I cried. And he offered to pay me. I was like, I don't even want money for that. I just want to erase that from my memory. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was awful. PTSD after a little comedy gig? Yeah. But I tell you what, one of every show, every show I do in Dublin, I seem to lock my car in a car park. That's what I was going to ask you next. So you're having a lot of dilemmas with car parks lately. Yeah, so any time I gig in the laughter lounge, I always forget the closing times of the car park, right? So I'm just like, lads, I have to be on force because my car's going to get locked in, right? So it happened to me the first night, it says, bollocks, had to get a taxi home, the buses weren't running at that time. So the second night, I was like, no, I'm going to get out on time tonight, right? So the first fella that was on went on too long. I was just like, yeah, I have to get on now. My car's going to get locked in the car park. Like, yeah, we'll get you on, we'll get you on. So I got out, right? 11.01, the couldn't close the gates. I had to pay another 50 euro to go home. Yeah, I was fucking snapping, I was. But tell you, I had to start learning how to drive, to start doing comedy. Now, I failed my driving test three times, right? So the first time I failed, I couldn't reverse around a bend. Now, since I've started driving, I never had to turn around and say to myself, how am I going to reverse around this roundabout? <laughs> the second time I failed, you know the way they point that stuff on the dashboard, and they're like, what's this do? What's that do? We pointed at the hazard lights, and he says, what's that for? I says, damn me, thank you, lights. <laughs> And then the third time, he goes, uh, we're just going to come up to this curb here and then we're going to practice pulling out. I says, I'm not on the pill, so I'm used to that. <laughs> Enya, on a more serious note, there's more Irish women in comedy in the last few years. Why, why do you think that is? Um... I, I don't know, I just think people are more open to it now. Do you think? And I think social media massively helps because uh, I wanted to build my own door. Like, I know if I was like, going to like, TV production companies and all, they probably wouldn't give me a second look. But like, when you're doing your own videos on social media, the same with you with the podcast, you can say what you want. Nobody's there to stop you. But once you start getting involved with TV and radio and stuff, they start dictating what you're saying, can't speak politically and all that. Do you ever notice that yourself? Not really. No, no. yeah. No, you used <laughs> You never speak as I mind. So, I mean, you just talk bollocks, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> now, but I think definitely social media is, is helping because uh, sometimes people are forced to watch videos, aren't they? They're sitting there and they're scrolling and I just pop up. And I love when I do my shows and like all the girls who bring their fellas with them. And then you get texts off the fellas after the show and I'll be like, I actually really enjoyed that. And I'm like, mm, thanks for slipping into my DMs. He's <laughs> <laughs> a chance at that fella. <laughs> Come here, you don't remember to tell you recently though, you're gonna be on free gaff with the boys from Yeah, Saturday. with Darren and Joe, yeah, I'm a special guest on the next show. But that's what I was, I was getting into the acting now. I actually was in that film Deadly Cuts. Did you see that film Deadly Cuts? Yeah, we filmed that back in 2019, like before COVID, and I only got released there at the, at the end of last year. Yeah. So, uh, that was yeah. a deadly plug, by the way. Yeah. Not Deadly Cuts. Deadly, yeah. <laughs>
But uh, okay, we're actually going to be on free gaff with Darden and Joe. We made a nice little cameo there. Yeah, you're doing the same episode I'm in. Are we? Waiting to see it's bleeding gas. It so, is. yeah, look out for that when it comes out. Yeah, me and Terrence are going to be on it. We it's... tried a hand out a bit of acting with dirt. <laughs> it was very tough, though, to prepare for the lines that we had, oh, honestly. So, when you see, you'll understand. Did you not just you have one line? Yeah, but it was a tough line, though. We actually did. <laughs> it was a tough line. <laughs> we had a tough line that we had to say once, but at the exact same time. So, that was a tough In part. sync. Like, Together, we had two of us standing beside each other going, one, two, three, go. And then I was like, are we going on three or are we going on go? And then he'd say it and then I'd go, oh wait. So it was actually tough, yeah, and anyway. Yeah, I, I wouldn't count on you as jumping out of a plane now. <laughs> one, two, three, did we go now, did we? I didn't know we were going on three or go. Yeah. Right. Uh, you had a story about a car park in Kilkenny you were talking to us backstage about, though. Oh, yeah, I got locked out of another fucking car park. So what was this? It was in Kilkenny at the Cat Laughs Festival. What's the story with your own car parks? What I car don't park? know. I don't know. I just, like I said, I'm only, I'm only driving now a couple of years and I never understood car parks, but there was 10 of us that got locked out, right? So it was a bank holiday weekend. Everybody obviously taught clothes later on or earlier or whatever. And we all turned up there. There's about 10 of us standing at this gate and the call-out fee was 25 euro. A fella had to drive from fucking Carlo, right? So we're all standing there for half an hour. There was Americans there. There was Polish people. I swear to God, it was weird. It was like a post office in Ballymun, right? And... <laughs> we... <laughs> And we were fucking, we were standing there, right? And these two American women were just like, what do you mean we have to pay 25 euros? So there was like 10 of us. And your man comes, right? And he goes, I'm not opening that gate till I get me 25 euro. And I swear to God, we all built up this little community, the 10 of us, right? It was, it was lovely. We all got to know each other and all we did. And then when your man came and he opened the gates, I was just like, it was lovely talking. Just lovely. I'm actually going to be doing bridesmaid at only our one's wedding. Like, it's, <laughs> I was lovely, it was. Lovely, but um, yeah, I'm just fucked with car parks. That's why I got a bus in here today. I yeah, not take play it safe. Uh, we actually had a guest who got locked out. Uh, Jordan, the podcast, he tells us, oh, actually, I have to go. The car park closed at eight, but he told us at ten past eight that you had to go. And Terence had to drive him back to Belfast that night. Yeah, keeping like the jacket. the boys, and you know what the boys are like? They're all bogey, no tax, no insurance, rob car, <laughs> up to Belfast, got lost, the whole lot. Water. He left at half nine and got back at, what time, half one in the morning? Half one in the morning we got back at. Ah, oh, fuck Dropping yeah. someone off in Belfast. Keevan and Jack, oh, I was actually calling him out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, absolutely grand, right. right. Fuck him, he's only a professional boxer, it's grand. He got a belt of a holy army. I think it's time we bring the next guest out. Good luck, here we go. He's a fan favourite, he's been on the podcast before. I think you might have an idea who it is. Can we put his hands together, give a big talking bollocks welcome back to Huey Martin. I was just saying... I Will you sit into that mic, you're on the keys, your head case. <laughs> what did you just say? Your body run! Yeah! I was just kept... saying to myself backstage, why were you playing my balls without me? Oh. <laughs> you were you down staff learning now, my Hello, Ryan. Waking up on worse. Hello. I was a punch the head of him in the boxing club years ago. <laughs> I can't believe a little fucking faggot used to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> you know, I'll give him a lap down, Chewy. Yeah, we whenever you have That's because you're telling me that. You better believe it. Right, you, how's things? 
all go down to be bloody exciting. Yeah. What? Matter of breath, I need to get to the fucking gym, don't I? I'm running over there, my heart is fucking... Don't even off the stage. I know, Jesus Christ. Because you're flat out on every bleeding reality TV show on the telly, bro. No, you think I was flat out in the coke, my heart is beating that much. Jesus Christ! Everyone in the audience going, shut up, you wee will you? all panicking. There's about half a fucking Sheriff Street here, it's not surprising. Hey now, less of that. Come here, so how's things been since the last podcast? What number was it when we had them on turn? So, <laughs> number 30. It was, yeah. Number 40, 30. yeah. Who said 32? Fake fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was 32. Was no, it was 30, for sure it was 30. 40, yeah. Yeah, 30, 30. So I've got a new bum since then, I've got new teeth. I've got new hair. I've got a new I've got new teeth. Right, you're still the I've same. I've got new you know. hair. Um, and that's about it, really. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were on OnlyFans for a while. I'm still oh! on OnlyFans. I love how you know that. Hold on, I love how Calvin knows what, that. What's subscribe? Late Late Show, live TV is secretive, but he knows what's on a subscription base. I follow you on Instagram, I've bro. Got... You have your help out more than most boards. <laughs> you do. Would you not have it looked like mine? <laughs> oh, darling. So, OnlyFans, is it going well for you, really? Mm-hmm. Do you know what? I actually feel like, I don't understand why there's a stigma with people showing their bodies or making money from that. It's like, if you have a problem, fuck off, because you're ugly. But, like, if I can make money from something, why is that bothering people? No, yeah. it's not. If yeah, my really. mom was getting her fanny out in OnlyFans, I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't have. Yeah, we, I, That's what Calvin says all the time. What does he say to you? I don't know, he just tells me to get it all out and stuff. Yeah. Come here, I do the helicopter for a tenner and a What's month. What's going oh, on here? You couldn't do a helicopter, yours is not enough. No, it is. <laughs> It is. Look at Amy over there, God, over it is. <laughs> now, but come here, so you're taking a break from the reality telly, is that what you're saying? I didn't say I was taking a break, it's just like, there's nothing for me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're taking a break, but not by, not by choice. Not by choice. I've been forced, fuck off, you wee. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Deco used to say to me in the showers years ago. Get out! Yui, <laughs> <laughs> you are the maddest person in the no, world. No, Yui, we were, we were saying it backstage, right? So, Yui's backstage since about 2 o'clock. We couldn't get rid of him. We no, him no, no, hold on. Actually, if we're going there, if we're going there, I need to say something. I was told, come here for half four, Properly sacked off helping my dad with something. It, it looked like he was about to take a heart attack. He was doing that much work, right? Sacked it off. Does a dress? Well, they didn't say dress rehearsal because they're not that educated to use them words. But they said we have to come on, check the mics and all that. Do you know what I mean? You came along. They weren't even here. They weren't even here. So Huey's been here since half four on the button, wolfing down his food a lot. And they're born and years off everyone you're at. Won't be able to get bummed for weeks. Been eating, just wolfing the fucking food down. And you weren't even here, Terence. You, you said you had a bottle of champagne as well. We did, yeah, a bottle of no seco we had, yeah. Good man. No, we did. That's what it's called, no seco, non-alcoholic prosecco. It is childish. But come here. Now, Yui. My sister got really drunk on non-alcoholic champagne once. Listen to this story. I'm a mum's life, this is the truth, right? My mum and dad's wedding anniversary was like, well, obviously, they have one every year. 
It was in November, but this was like not the one gone by the one before. So my dad can't read or write because like most travellers, he didn't go to school. And genuinely, and he bought non-alcoholic champagne, but she drank it all. We didn't realise it was non-alcoholic. She got so drunk, she had to go home early, was really sick the next day. And then we were cleaning up non-alcoholic champagne. It was non-alcoholic champagne. So, that, so clearly that can get you drunk. Yeah, right, that was a good story, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll bring the next, next guest on. How are you getting on there? Up, yeah. Can I have some more, please? The amount is stuck There's together. There's a ball of water beside you there, yeah? <laughs> but seeing that hours ago, I would have talked more. Jesus Christ, Calvin. How, how unhospitable to not say there's water here. Don't be using them type of words or those, will you know? Unhospitable. You were in the bleeding green room backstage, googling big words to say and all. I'm from Ballymun, pal. It's the same as hell. But anyways, moving on. We'll bring on the next guest. So the next guest is another fan favourite. She, it's a woman, obviously. <laughs> She's <laughs> one of the most influential women we've ever had on the podcast. Can you all give another warm welcome, please, to Senator Lim Rowan? <laughs> Can we actually give a shout out to Dippy for suiting and building us as well? Yeah, we only decided last minute to get suits. Lynn, what's up? Oh my god, I feel like I'm the serious one now that's come on after oh, no, like yeah, we, crack. A, a bit of diversity. Yeah. It's like the teachers had to come on back into the classroom now. You know what I mean? <laughs> How's things? Good, all good. How have you been since the last podcast? Yeah, oh, good. Still working away, trying to be pretending to be a politician. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I suppose since we last talked, I suppose a lot of my work has been very much focused on drugs, having a conversation about drugs, drug use. I've loads. Oh, they'll meet me backstage, yeah? <laughs> One of bags only. Cash only as well. Cash not pick, no pick. <laughs> Tell us a bit about that, Lane. You've yeah. seen some of your speeches you've been given online. If anyone doesn't yeah. follow Lane, go on and look at her speeches. They are unbelievable. Yeah, but the worst part about it is, it's the people who she's delivering the speeches to, like they genuinely couldn't give a bollocks, and it's so disheartening to watch. We are fighting the good fight, Lane. Yeah, I'm trying. I mean, it's hard when you're in there because... You think you're making, like, real valid sense, right? And Aon O'Reardon, who used to be a minister for drugs, said in an article last week that if it was cattle, the response would be different. And that really struck me, because I'm, like, going... I'm in there talking about the fact that in our communities, maybe one person a day... Actually, statistically, one person a day will die of an overdose. And I'm telling them that, and I'm saying we need to have a conversation about how we work with people on drugs, how we provide services... And then they vote against every single amendment you bring to actually not even change the law, because obviously I want to like decriminalise, legalise, have all those conversations, but they won't even introduce like a conversation on it, you know? What, what is it exactly that you're looking to change, Lynn? Well, there's lots of things, because obviously there's like drug use, it's a wide, it's a wide conversation, right? So you have the decriminalisation stuff, which means that you won't be arrested for being caught in possession, basically. Yeah. So, and what that does is then it protects people who are struggling with addiction, not ending up in the prison system for the pure fact that they have an addiction, you know, and they're caught in small possession. And then there's other conversations around, 
There's lots of drugs that you can have in your home around if someone overdoses. And it's just, it's nasal or it's like, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a jab in the hip, like, you know, and it will bring someone back around out of an overdose. And then there's conversations around detox beds, aftercare beds. And then there's lots of other conversations we could be having if we dealt with that around, like, you know, the use of uh, mushrooms and psilocybin and ketamine in actually tr uh, treating trauma and stuff. But we can't even get to those conversations because we're so overpowered by... I suppose, the chaotic nature of drug use in, in poorer communities. So mm. I kind of want to have a, a, a national conversation about how we begin to address those things. In the last general election down 2020, I think my constituency, yeah, so Dublin and our city, uh, we had the lowest turnout in, in voters, like, mm. you know what I mean? So how, how the fuck are you supposed to expect a change if you're not even getting out to vote yourself? Like? Mm. I never vote. There you go. <laughs> I'll leave that the war, you we? I don't understand I'm raging I voted for him on Big Brother now. <laughs> well, you I would have liked, you're hold not on. voting, I'm not voting. Hold on, hold on. You couldn't have because Republic of Ireland weren't allowed to vote. <laughs> I'm joking. But no, I don't vote because I don't know, how, I don't know what to vote for. I understand you. I don't understand. No, steadily, seriously, like you're saying if all of Taliban out and voted. But like, then it's like, why don't people vote? And I know the stereotypes. I get it. Like, I'm a traveller. I'm from Ballymun. I'm gay. I'm all of these things. Right? Yes, you are. I might as well have been ginger as well. Does it sound like... Does everything... if I was ugly too? God. I'm joking. Um, no, but seriously, I get that whole, like, stereotypeness of, because obviously that's been my whole life. But I don't, like, I just feel like when I look at things from a broad spectrum when it comes to people in power, no matter who gets in, people still complain about them. So it's like, I don't well, even know if I want to involve on. myself Well, you now. can't say that because it's only ever been Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael for 100 years. No, but in life in general. <laughs> so we never actually had another option. There was never... Do you know what I mean? It's but in like, general, around yeah. the world. Yeah. Hang on. Around the world. Yui, you picked the wrong woman to pick an argument with, no. honestly. <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah, I said I'm it backstage, Lynn, you scared a bollock down there. <laughs> I, think, I think everything she does is fantastic, and I've watched loads of her um, conversations and all. It's just, I genuinely don't yeah. have a clue what I'm talking about, because... Just throw a big word in there and tell I just don't get it. I don't, I promise. Do you actually think that... Say, for example, you're saying if a lot of people in Tallinn did vote and that did change things, would that change society? Genuinely, do you yeah, believe that? It would, that? because even if they voted for the parties that are already in, right, the parties that are already in go, oh, wait, so the whole of Tallinn is voting. We better change how we do things there because now they have power, power and they're using it. Yeah. So they're so wishy-washy that they'll fucking blow so, with the wind. Like, so, so like they'll change what they're doing based on the... The, the, the block of people. So are you saying that it's not even that the things they're doing is they're even believing or are passionate about, they're doing it because it's the popular thing to do? Yeah, and because of who themselves. votes for them. Business well, then why are people. you in a role that's to serve people exactly. when they're well, not even doing what's right? Yeah, the it's a question that tells all the people yeah. on all our videos, saying what the yeah. fuck am I even doing? I know, like I mean, in the chamber last week, like I've never cried in the chamber. I cried my eyes out and I had to sit back down and I had to ask for a minute, like, do you know, and yeah. And they're just looking at you and they'll just move on to the other part of the conversation. And it's just that lack of reality. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you just, you just don't understand. And I remember first going into politics and thinking to myself, oh God, I don't know about the history of politics in Ireland. I don't know about, you know, political science. And I just, and then I had to realise that actually they don't, they, all they have is facts that they've read in a book. They've yeah. never actually worked a day in their lives outside of the political spectrum. With right? people, with, with people. people. 
you know. And, and what they're doing now is, so you'll see some politicians respond to me, right? And you would think, oh God, they're very compassionate actually. They really understand uh, what she's saying. But because raw power doesn't get them in alone anymore, because of social media, because they get, people are getting called out and you're getting held to account, I suppose, for your views, they've now manufactured compassion. Yeah. They've learned how to pretend to be compassionate yeah. without changing anything. Yeah. So they're learning the language of LGBT. They're learning uh, the language that won't insult the traveller community. They're learning the language that won't uh, insult the migrant community. And they're learning the language that won't insult working class communities. Not because they care. They actually make us believe that they care without yeah. matching a single policy to that and still yeah. leaving people yeah. die in communities yeah. like... She gave us a shout out in one of our speeches. Yeah. Yeah. As well. I remember thinking. And do you know what? I'm going to pull you up on something now, actually. Bollocks. Not not in the live show, Lynn. They were bikes then. So I didn't say the word bollocks in the chamber because I knew I would be stopped for unparliamentary language, right? Yeah. And use fucking as tricks to out a bleeding uh, ticket master. Yeah, that wasn't us, Lynn. There you go. No, we caused murder over that. <laughs> you don't understand Mord. how much backlash we get over the word bollocks. But why is bollocks it's so offensive? <laughs> exactly, I don't get it. You can't I love say the word bollocks. They wouldn't say it on the telly. They won't say it on the radio and all. Brendan O'Connor, did you show out Brendan O'Connor? Brendan O'Connor said it once, yeah. But yeah. he said it before the Angelus then. Yeah. Like, so now... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Terence and Calvin. You can't... I didn't even think bollocks is that offensive. for the Angelus. Lynn, you touched on the podcast, you know. Yeah. So, um, I mean, over the years, people have asked me, like, would I do a podcast? And I go on lots of podcasts. And I just, I spend my whole career talking and I felt like I can't, <laughs> I can't have another, another kind of thing in my day where I have to talk. And, and, but I wanted to do um, a limited series podcast. So it's about 10 episodes. Yeah. So it's called Conversations on the Margins and it's recorded from inside We Feel Prison. And it's with men who are in prison um, anything from like 10 plus years to much shorter sentences and we discuss everything from life and love and loss and uh, forgiveness, we discuss uh, restorative justice uh, we use all their own original music um, and it's very much for me why I wanted to go in there is that it's like people have to succeed and be amazing before people want to like, have them on their podcast or you know you have to be this successful being in the world before someone wants to hear your story so the podcast was really about taking the stories right to the hearts of where people are actually living the fucking scenarios that we then walk, want to congratulate them on in 20 years because it's something that's in their history rather than something that's in their now. Mm. So, but it was brilliant. Like, and, like there was a day where one of the lads, one of the lads got choked up in, in, on the podcast. And afterwards, I was like, the door was closed and the screws weren't like near where I was. And, and I was like, oh, come here, I'll give you a little, I'll give you a little hug on the QT. Like, sorry, it was in the room, giving him a little hug. And the next day, all the other lads that had been recorded on the podcast were queuing up outside. Hugs. I heard he got a hug after his podcast. <laughs> and I was like, oh, bollocks. <laughs> Hey, what, no, it, was like, it was just me in a room in Can the I prison giving out walks on the sly. <laughs> is, it, um, is it really hard to get access to like, yeah. people in prison? Or yeah, no, the, the, the Irish Prison Service let me in. They trusted all the work that I do on prison and re- prison reform. And they knew, I think, that I would keep the lads safe, you know, because I don't want to harm anyone in what I'm doing. So, yeah. Um, and you're walking with Gowell for that as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah, this so silly, though, that... 
Isn't it? Um, that one. That shout out. No. No. I find it interesting. Like, isn't it so stupid, though? Like, just to put an opinion out there that, like, you put people to prison for ten years, whatever, say whatever the crime is, and like, then you lock them up like that, and then during the pandemic, they're like not allowed to see anyone. And then you expect them to come out into civilised society and, be okay. and act yeah. normal. How stupid is that? 100%. Like, that's so, so silly. That's like sending me to the camp with a lot of gay fellas and expecting me to come home straight. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's stupid. How foolish. One of, one of the lads on the podcast said... But that's what you do with, with the whole sexuality reform thing. There's, like, these gay camps in America. Brady and they send away. all the gay fellas there. Conversion therapy. That, what, that them yeah, st- yeah. fucking... have other words from fucking Hitler places. But, listen... Or, um, but, no, seriously, I know it might sound like an insensitive comparison, but you really, really go through me. But, like, they send people down, expect them to come home straight. But, like, a fucking holiday. They're all together. <laughs> Like gay pride, I, oh, I would have loved lift. if my dad sent me there years ago. <laughs> I'd have come home in a tutu. <laughs> there was one example you gave us about a fella who didn't want to actually come back out and reintegrate into society because yeah. it would hinder him. Oh, that was abs- yeah, do you know what? He, he, God love him, right? So he just loves music. And even though he wants to be in society, right? He's mm. come from really, really uh, impoverished situations and a lot of addiction um, in his parents. Um, He's been in and out of institutions since he's 11. And what struck me and is so sad is, if you have to go to prison to find safety, that is fucked up, right? If your, commu- like, if your own life is not safe, that prison provides you safety. Where that's so- there's something seriously wrong there. Like, and he turned around and he said, and you'll hear him rapping on the podcast and stuff, I, right? You actually played a clip or was you I actually did. fucking dead? Yeah, and you'll hear him brilliant. rapping on the podcast. And he said that the hardest thing about leaving prison for him is, even though he wants to do good, is... There's a music studio in the education centre and he'll never have access to a music studio again. So, like, he doesn't want to leave... He wants to leave prison. I don't want to give the impression he doesn't, but it's, it's sad for him because he's like, will I ever get to do what I'm doing again in terms of having a microphone and being able to record... Why would he not be allowed to do that in the real world? He wouldn't have the, the access to it and there's addiction and poverty and homelessness. He lived for a long oh, period of time. struggle to get he, jobs because of the convictions, yeah, so, struggle like, to get money for the studio. He doesn't see a world where that's possible for him. And the fact that prison provides that possibility, it's, there's something seriously wrong with our country. If he that's feels against, more comfortable like, in that environment, probably because there's a setup for him where he doesn't feel that way in the real world. He, he wouldn't be able to afford to rent a studio. Like, you know, he wouldn't, yeah. be able, he wouldn't have the money to. Yeah, so that's it. Yeah. So we, in a way, in a roundabout way, he's a bit institutionalised. Yeah. You know what's better yeah. for me in here than it is out there? Yeah. So the talk coming Which out actually scares him. Yeah, like this one young lad that has learned the piano, he never knew anyone that learned, that played an instrument in his life. And I, like, I turned around and I said, there's a piano behind you, like, will you play it for me? And he was a bit like shy and nervous. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I said, just a few bars, will you play it for me? And he turned around and he just started playing the piano. And like, he had never, ever encountered an instrument before. Mm. And can you imagine the money that we spend, 90 odd thousand a year on every single prisoner in the prison system. Imagine investing at that in them kids when they were five, six, seven, and eight exactly. before the prison system even existed, like, you know? 
But Brilliant. That's to do with the school curriculum and stuff like that, isn't it, Dan? And poverty and And what class, people are taught yeah. and like the areas people grow up yeah. in and what's what's available and accessible yeah. to them. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. So it's a cycle. Yeah, so as I said, Lynn's out here fighting the good fight. If anyone doesn't follow Lynn, go on and follow her Instagram, Twitter, she's fucking brilliant. And when she stings them in there, it's brilliant because they don't know what to say. And as I said, she scares the bollocks out of me, so imagine what she's like to them. And if you don't follow me, follow me as well. <laughs> Put your hands together and raise the roof for the last guest of the evening, James Kavanagh. You're all so hot. Love yous. I'll be flirting, James. I can't stop flirting. Right, I think we should ease you in here. For the zinger. <laughs> you want to start off for the zinger? It's a match hideous one, but actually, isn't it? One. If you could go back, James, I'll ask you first year around you, yeah? No. If you could go back to any moment in time, where would you go? Any time. Any moment in time? I kind of am into ancient Egypt vibes, yeah. Um, oh, you said that as well. Texas. Nah, that. It, <laughs> what's he saying? The long story. How long do you think you would last in Texas? <laughs> I'd probably go back to last week. I had a really good night out last week. I was I dressed up as Marge Simpson for Halloween, and I had a ball. So I'd go back to last Saturday night. Right. <laughs> Where would you go back to? It, it, don't mind us for a minute, Eve. <laughs> Where would you go back to? I think I would like to be caught in a boat in like Hollywood in the fifties and sixties, like you know when everybody was just like drinking flat out and smoking loads of fags and just having a really good time. I'd love to know your smoke up here. Fuck <laughs> John Blue, fuck it. I just be in the back smoking in the shower and all. I'd go, I'd go, I'd change my mind. I'd go back to... God, you. jealous. He's yeah, like, I am no, jealous. I, that was better. I'd go back to ancient Roman times to, like, the orgies and everything. <laughs> like, it was a ball. They had a ball. Well, ancient Rome. Well, go down with you, James, yeah? Yes. You together. You there in the Colosseum? <laughs> what about you, Roddy? Here we fucking go, what? <laughs> Right, he's going to go back to last week. Before getting gaggled. Terence is getting gaggled now, right? <laughs> I, Terence, I, I went back to last Friday when your producer rang me up and said, I'll give you two grand. I won fucking six. I didn't know it was going to be packed like this. I would have went back. Now, oh, do you know what? I'll leave it. I won't tell you where I want. It's, it's a very sad story. Go on, spill the beans, Sorry. Well, you all know, well, everyone knows when they read the book, I'm a bit careless since I was 15, right? But when I was 14, Sorry to hear. I was in Spain on my holidays, and there was this lovely girl there, and she kept looking at me, and I kept looking at her. And I, I never felt this. I did what cannibal. I said to her, I said to her, can you do me a favour? I think I'm in love. And she said to me, I'm in love with you too. And I only ever seen her walking around by the pool. And I said to her, can I have a kiss? She says, no, I'm going to be a nun in the morning. <laughs> and that's true. Is this in the book? What? Is this in the book? No, I fucked her in the pool and I scarred her. 
And I ran Carolyn and said, I'm only winding you. I don't want to be anywhere else. This is the best. Yes, you know better. Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? What a gaff tonight! What a gaff! Free red wine as well. Anyway, answer your question. James. You have your own cooking podcast. I do, yeah. It's called What Did You Eat This Week? Um, it's nowhere near you. I'm always looking at the charts. It's you and Joanne McNally's podcast, which is literally dominating the first two. I'm never quite there, so I aim to be like you one day. <laughs> I was going to say, I want to be you when I grow up as well, but here we are. <laughs> what are your podcasts? What, what do you think has led you to your podcast success? All them. What made them listen, do you think? What tips do you have for me? Can I answer, can I answer this one? Little reverse, shall we? She's interviewing us. Yeah. <laughs> my nerves are gone, oh, I don't know. Uh, it's definitely your honesty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Open, honest, vulnerable. And I think Say people, how it is, people, and have to crack. I think as well, it's because people want to listen to people who sound like them and who are relatable. It's why people want to listen to Ronnie. And it's why people want to listen to you. It's like, there isn't, and I say this all the time, in media, there isn't a diversification of voices. It's the same type of people that we're hearing from all the time. And that's the same in podcasts and the same in news. So, like, there aren't many people who sound like you in podcasts. And I think that's why all these people relate to you. Also, I'm, I'm, my boyfriend is, uh, he went to Ballymaloo and he, he's kind of the cook. I just kind of get people to buy the cookbook. So if you, if you, if you want to have a food business, get someone who's really good at cooking and then someone else who can kind of make the sales. So I just kind of make people buy the book. <laughs> There's good recipes in it, apparently. <laughs> so I've been told. Well, come here, you have a restaurant as well, do you know? I, a caravan, yeah. But I love your PR spin. It's a restaurant. No, it's actually on wheels. The place is on wheels. It's a. Ca- this place is on wheels. It's on wheels. <laughs> that must be some fucking hilver. <laughs> I do. I bet we sell sandwiches and coffee and hot pots from a caravan in Collins Barracks. Which we're opening on Friday, so if you're hungry, come on Friday to Collins Barracks, and that's where we sell our Caribbean stuff from. James, how did you get your start in what you do now? I started on Snapchat, and my thing on Snapchat was scaring William, my boyfriend. That was what I would do the entire time. So I kind of got uh, thousands and thousands of followers due from scaring William. So I kind of had to keep that up. So he loves to remind me, like, he is the reason that I have a following. So he'll never... I love you too. I love this audience. <laughs> They're real hot and nice. And <laughs> um, so yeah, it was Snapchat that kind of like gave me the platform and then it just kept going on and for some reason people stuck around. James, yeah. we actually acted in the same show as each other. Uh, Darren and Joe's free gaff? Yup. Yes. Anyone see Darren and Joe's free gaff? It was very good. Yeah. 
How did you find your acting spell? I was going to ask you that. That's great. <laughs> you want to just take over? Um, I love Darren and Joe. They're so gas. And I played a rent collector, I think. I was bashing down the door of some guy um, in the show. And I collected his rent. And I... Uh, it was Joe McGuggan's calf. Joe McGuggan's in the audience as is well. He? Where is he? I love the way Terence just be like, where do you? As if he could see. You can't see Anton up here. I could see Kiefer up there flexing. Yeah, because he's about 6'7". <laughs> Tom O'Carty up there with you. Lunchbox head. Have 2020 vision, bro. Where is Joe McGuggan really? Sound, he left early, he was right. Um, yes, I had a fun time acting in that show. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, show yes. did we. We had to play. What did we have to play what in that? What your characters? The we two were supposed to be the twins out of Shining. But the, when we showed up, we were like, oh, we didn't get the dresses, so we had to just wear, like, tracksuits. I see it, yeah, I see it. Yeah. yeah. So it was a bit of a letdown. <laughs> He's like, I see that. Yeah. <laughs> right, we have a little trick up our sleeve again. So remember I said, sometimes you might hear something that you already heard on Sunday. So it's not really a magic trick, because he's on it every fucking week, Rush. Let's bring out Kurla Morton, yeah? Vigor Street, how's it going? How's it all doing? How's it going? Come here, I thought I'd be fucking back from this place, the lads ought to have me on the last couple of times, but... Uh, no, just quickly before we go any further, this is the last, last show um, in Vicar Street. And of the year. They've given me... Go <laughs> easy there. I think, I think. But uh, <coughs> let's just tell you something. They could have had any musician in Dublin or in Ireland on this show and they gave me the opportunity. So call them again. So after the last show... Kieran pulled us and he was like, look at, thanks for the opportunity, you don't understand what it means. And I said, Kieran, we could put anyone up there, but they have to fucking make the most of it. And I think he did. So, the last two times I played on the show, uh, I was going to play new stuff here tonight, but I wanted to play what went, uh, what went well the last time. So, I'm going to start off with a spoken word piece. Some people might have heard it. Uh, it's the opening of an EP or release about working class people and inner city folks and council estates and all that. So, yeah, we'll give it a go. Believe me once I tell you, it's not the bogeys on the streets. To be nervous or to be scared of Cause they've been playing like you and me It's the rich and Copeland suits Who make thousands every year Well they make the richest richer So those with less will just disappear They'll have campaigns in your area And they'll promise the moon and stars But that's only so their fortunes Can still be washed with dirty hands Well they say criminals sell drugs But at least don't sell dreams and it's those who buy their bullshit instead of expressing just how we feel. These are the tales of those who probably didn't have it all. A holiday in June and sunshine house and night tracksuits full of holes. But I promise we were happier. Although the shops we shop were cheap. From JFK's to Hector Gray's and our neighbour who robbed your meat. To take these as only stories. And a point you will relate. These are my days of glory. And for the souls of council estates. 
get a bit deep now and then we'll, we'll have a bit of fun uh, towards the end. This is a song I wrote, uh, one of the four songs I wrote. I played on the podcast and I played on the live show. And uh, it's one of my favourite songs to play. And the feeling the last time was amazing. So it's a song about domestic violence called Mother. And uh, if you don't even know the words, just can join in with me. Yeah. show together. Thanks to Vika Street for having us. Thanks to every single one of you for coming out on a fucking skill night. 
He's been Terrence Bauer. I've been Calvin O'Brien. We've been talking bollocks. Good night and God bless. Deep knocker.